Welcome to KB Talks powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to sharing the latest kitchen and bath industry insights to help grow and support your business. I'm your host, Jennifer Bertrand. For kitchen and bath designers, it is a mark of pride to have their work showcased in one of our industry publications. It is also a very important part of the job to be able to show future or potential clients that a project we worked on was deemed worthy of a glossy magazine or a highly visited website. On today's episode of KB Talks, I sit down with the people who help us designers get there to talk about editorial tips and tricks and a detailed look at a photographer's experience in working with designers looking to have their work published. But before I introduce today's guest, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Samsung Appliances. At Samsung, we aren't just predicting the future, we're creating it. Inspired by chefs, the Samsung Chef Collection is built on three core pillars, design, technology, and performance. The recipient of four 2018 CES Innovation Honoree Awards, the Chef Collection features performance, precision, and design that is recognized across the globe. The Chef Collection lineup includes a 42-inch four-door flex built-in refrigerator, a 36-inch ProRange, 36-inch induction cooktop, and a 30-inch microwave combination wall oven, all boasting smart features designed to suit any type of lifestyle, including Wi-Fi-enabled interior cameras and advanced temperature control. Samsung's wider range of products feature multiple color and size options and ensure that the kitchen is designed exactly as the chef desires it. We crafted this collection with sophisticated capabilities for intuitive performance to elevate the modern kitchen experience. Welcome to the future of cooking. To discover more about the Chef Collection and learn more about our rewards program for certified designers, visit samsung.com. We are back and ready to jump into today's conversation. First, I'd like to welcome Chelsea Butler, Executive Editor of Kitchen and Bath Business Magazine, the official publication of the NKBA and KBiz. Hello, Chelsea. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm happy to be here. Well, I know you're going to give us a lot of amazing advice, but first I also want to introduce, joining us is Robert Peterson, the photographer behind Rustic White Interiors, who has shot for House Beautiful, Atlanta Homes and Lifestyles, Matthew Quinn, Brian Patrick Flynn, and more. Welcome, Robert. Hey, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I feel like I have two really amazing people to hit up for advice on this topic. And sometimes it feels like us designers need all the help we can get in this competitive market. So on that note, let's start at the beginning. Let's say I've just completed a dynamite kitchen renovation and I'm like, yes, I'm an amazing designer. This is so beautiful. I have to get published. But then my first step is to have it photographed. Robert? What should I look for in a photographer? Words of wisdom from Robert. I, well, first I would say to find a photographer, I think a great place to look is flip through publications that you're already prone to wanting to submit to. See who some of the photographers in there are, and then you can go check out their work. Um, of course, Instagram is a great place to find people's work, especially current work, because I know a lot of photographers don't stay on top of updating their website as fast as they constantly update Instagram. But having said that, like once you find a few photographers whose style or aesthetic you're really drawn to, go ahead and reach out to them. Um, I do think it's important to 
as you're looking for a photographer, find somebody whose work you connect with aesthetically, see if it's similar to the style of design perhaps you did. There's a lot of difference between architectural and interior photographers too. So you wanna make sure, especially from an interior designer standpoint, if the work is really focused with you in mind and focused towards publication, kind of looking at design photographers who have a lot of experience photographing kitchens, um, if you'll be doing bathrooms as well, bathrooms, bedrooms, but find somebody whose work you first connect with. And then I would say, when you reach out to them, don't be afraid to ask questions, ask about license and rights, tell them that you're interested in submitting to publications, tell them which publications you're thinking about, and then find out both kind of what their day rate is and if they have a separate like post-processing rate, what that'll be. So that before you even head into the shoot, you're really buttoned up and kind of on the same page. Is it great to have a photographer who already has connections or is it okay to take a risk on an unknown photographer and then just hustle harder to get it in front of the right people? I think, uh, Chelsea will be able to speak to this more as well from that perspective, but I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a risk with an unknown photographer if the quality of their work stands out. And you may need to be a little bit more involved on the styling end if you're working with somebody who has not been published before, because it's really important, not just from the design standpoint, but from the style and story standpoint, trying to match up that aesthetic with the magazines or publications you're hoping to submit to. Uh, if it's a photographer who's already worked with magazines, they'll probably have a pretty strong understanding of the aesthetics and style in the scene and what the magazines will like. If it's somebody who's fresh and hasn't done that before, it's probably really worth the investment to invest in a stylist and bring in a stylist in as well to help with the shoot. Which that just leads to my next question is like, do you have any tips or tricks for designers of like, if they're shooting for publication, things to keep in mind? Um, well, definitely, uh, one thing that will make their life easier is if it's a home that homeowners have already moved into, let's shoot on a day the homeowners are not home, mostly because <laughs> we're going to be taking all their personal elements, everything that they added after the designer was done that they think adds a lot and looks great. We're pretty much going to take all that out. They'll have added some art that like on countertops that they think brings them together. You're like, no, no, that's going to go. <laughs> um, and we're also gonna rummage through all their drawers and move their furniture. And it can be really overwhelming for homeowners to see that. Um, having said that, I definitely think even a lot of photographers who are experienced and have been working with publications a lot are, I don't know if they will necessarily contractually want a stylist, but they're probably gonna want a stylist. And you know, the investment of 500 to 1,000 to perhaps $1,500 a day on a stylist it'll completely change the aesthetic of the room and really help them bring that story together. And it takes a huge weight off the designer's shoulder. So the designer can kind of step back, look at the scene as a whole and not have to worry about prop shopping, bringing in floral and doing all of those things themselves. Are there any stylists that, and Chelsea, don't worry, you're next. Are there any stylists that you would say, Hey, check out so-and-so on Instagram because some designers who haven't done publications may not understand the difference between it like obviously all designers think they're amazing and they're like I can you know add elements to make it look lived in and tell a story but I feel like a stylist for magazine publications is totally different are there any ones that are on top of your head of like check out so and so they're amazing 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, do you want names? <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Give me your um, top two um, or three. My top two, I would definitely say, oh, she's going to hate me because I can't even think of her last name, but I'll, uh, Courtney, who styles a lot for Leanne Ford. Uh, oh. She's located up in Pittsburgh. She's fantastic. And I've worked with her a few times recently. And then Liz Demos, who is in Savannah, um, is terrific and has worked with so many magazines and publications. And she really understands, depending on the magazine you're bringing in, whether it's Southern Homes or House Beautiful, she knows what they want. She's been doing this for so long. Um, Elena Roper here in Atlanta is fantastic. Um, she works with publications and magazines all the time. It, they're worth their weight in gold. I, I'm very hands-on when it comes to styling. I love once the scene is set, helping to look at it and move things around for composition and balance and being involved in that part of the story. But if, uh, I will say if a designer does not bring in a stylist and they're leaning heavily on their photographer to help style, you're gonna get a lot less images that day because now the photographer is bouncing between setting up lights and light in the scene and composition and jumping back into helping style the scene, add story, find that balance. So it just makes the day move a little bit slower. So it's kind of that balance of, yeah, you can save the money, but you may get less image delivery in the end. And you, you will probably lose something a little bit by not having a talented stylist on hand. No, great advice. Chelsea, your turn. What would you add to any of those elements on you know, things editors are looking for that tell a story in a photograph. Well, we're, you know, lovely projects are always amazing to look at, but our readers' time is limited. So if someone's going to take 10 minutes to read about a project in our magazine, we want it to be worth their while. So obviously, professional photos, we have to see those first to make sure that they would be something that we could actually publish in the magazine. But we also want the projects to be able to educate our readers in some way, um, again, because the time is limited. So aside from the beautiful photos that we ask for, we also like to learn other things, you know, like definitely want to know if there were before photos. Um, we ask about aging in place elements, um, you know, those kinds of things. We ask for sustainable design elements, what kind of challenges were overcome lessons learned, interesting use of color, those kinds of things we look at aside from just the beautiful pictures. So then Chelsea, if I were like pitching you some images from one of my designs, is it good if I come to you with already some teaching moments bulleted out that you could say, ooh, we could flesh out that concept or stuff like that? Do you like us to have our own ideas or you're like, simmer down now, we've got our own ideas? No, that's really helpful because again, our time is precious as well. So I've, I've had a lot of people sending me projects this week, photos, and I have to email back every single time um, our little list of criteria that we'd like to know. Um, you know, so we, it's really hard for us to consider anything without the information. And if we have to go back and forth and then we end up having to wait for a week for the response. Um, if someone does wanna send us projects to consider we would love to have information included with those so that we can decide, um, you know, and then some designers will send us projects that we know that they took the photographs <laughs> um, and we just can't consider those. And I, I do know some designers that say they just don't ever hire a professional photographer to shoot their projects. And I never can understand why, um, because those, those projects can never get published and they can never be entered into a design contest. 
No, that makes total sense. But okay, so then in terms of like trying to be a designer that's pleasant to work with and easy, um, is it good if all the images are in a Dropbox and that you can just click on it? How do you like those images shared? Because they're usually large files. Right, so I, we don't like it when they try to email one photo at a time. <laughs> um, that's really hard. I, or if they decide that they are going to email them, we never get them. They don't realize that because the files were too large. Um, we use any of the photo sites to download those. Dropbox is my favorite um, just because I can always go back to it. The photos don't go away. Um, we use WeTransfer as well, but those, um, those files will go away within about seven days of being sent to us and it's harder to name those files. With Dropbox, you know, it'll say the name of each project. Um, something that did happen yesterday, which was really challenging, was um, a PR person sent us a bunch of Dropbox folders of projects from her clients. Um, but there's, there were no client names, no project names, multiple projects under each folder. So I have to email that person back to say, I don't even know where to start with this. I just see a bunch of couple of pretty pictures of these projects. I don't know who did them. I don't know when they were completed. I don't know if you have more photos than what you're sending me. Um, you know, just making our job a little bit easier um, is always helpful. Yeah, no, we don't want to add more work to your plate because that's not going to make you want to go, oh, that person's amazing. Um, <laughs> question for you, though, is you mentioned a PR agent. Do you think that that is, um, helps a lot in terms of getting in front of editors? Or do you think it can still happen as, you know, a single human trying to do it? I mean, I think if you have the means to hire a PR person to do that part of the job for you and make it easier for you as a designer, then do it. Um, because if they're dedicated enough, they will get in front of us. Um, it is nice after that, though, to be able to contact the designer uh, directly instead of having to work through the PR person all the way through. Um, the designers we work with on a regular basis are on it. You know, they'll email us every time they finish a project with the photos and it's really easy to work with them, but it's just depends on how much time you have, uh, in terms of being able to take time out to put those photos together, to write up the description, that kind of thing. So, um, if you're really, really, really busy all the time, but still want to get your stuff out there, I would consider hiring a PR person. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And then Robert, in terms of just the actual photo shoot, like sometimes as a designer, I'll have certain vignettes or angles I wanna hit. Do you suggest like letting the photographer be creative and shoot what they want? Or are you like, please don't talk to me. I am brilliant and don't need your insight. Um, no, no, I, no, I love, I mean, these have to be really collaborative projects. I. I I mean, as far as the day when you arrive, you need to work well. The designer and the photographer, it helps if they mesh very well. If a stylist is there, it really helps if they mesh really well. Um, I actually ask anytime anybody inquires with me for a shot list and any scouting photos in advance. And part of that is just so as I reply with like what I think an appropriate bid would be on the job, I'm also estimating, is this a one-day shoot? Is this a two-day shoot? what's a realistic amount of time we need to capture everything they want to capture. So um, if a designer responds back that they would like, you know, two kitchen hero shots, perhaps two vignettes, then maybe 
there's two design elements that they're really proud of, smart storage or anything of that nature. It really helps me know kind of how long it's gonna to take to gather that. And then the day of, I kind of like to step back, look at the scene as a whole, and then talk with the designer about, here's what I'm thinking for your hero horizontal. Here's what I think will be a really nice pass through vertical, or this will highlight the hood really well. And there's kind of a lot of back and forth. And I, I think that's how it should be. I don't, I mean, obviously I can't speak for every photographer, but I feel like there really needs to be open dialogue because at the end of the day, I want the designer to be really happy. I want my uh, photos to play really well and get them the exposure that they're after because good exposure for them is only going to be good exposure for me. Um, can, can I sidetrack for a second? I actually had a question for Chelsea. I love sidetracks. Go, go. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask Chelsea because I've run into this situation before where I've actually had a publication. They were getting ready to go to print. They had picked up a project I had shot for a designer and they were having trouble hearing back from the designer with uh, some of the Q&A that you were just speaking about, Chelsea, about when was the job completed? tell us some about the elements. Is there anywhere online um, that you're aware of or is there a general list of questions that you like to get from designers? Because sometimes I'll have designers just reach out to me and ask me to use any connections I have to submit a project. Right. But I don't even know, I, especially new designers, I would love to go, yes, I'd love to submit this house. Here's, can you answer these top five or top 10 questions for me so I can submit this along as a PDF when I submit the photos to kind of get that ball rolling and answer some of those questions? I would say um, definitely some of the most important um, facts we need to know is when was the project completed because we don't really want to cover anything that's more than a year, year and a half old. Um, we also like to know for sure if it has ever been published in the competing publication. Um, that should be a no-brainer. Please let us know if it has. and you know, and or if the designer has passed this on to multiple publications for consideration. Um, and then along the lines of the information that we'd like to know about the project, um, again, just something that makes it stand out, something that would help the reader learn something. Again, the sustainable um, universal design elements, fun use of color, challenges or lessons learned, those kinds of things are really helpful for us to know a little bit ahead of time so we can decide, you know, under which column we'd like to feature it or if, if it's got so many interesting aspects that it could actually be like a full blown feature in the magazine. Are you awesome. also seeing a lot of things of like, obviously with the Marie Kondo stuff, um, everyone loving like you know, the wellness of the mind to it and organization and improving utilitarian use through, you know, great design function or, or stuff like that as well, or color because everyone has grayed the world out. Yeah, absolutely. I just finished writing an article for our next issue on design for wellness, health and well-being in the home in our kitchens and baths. So that would be another aspect that we would love to learn about. No, this is good. You know what? Honestly, designers are going to listen to this and take notes. And if they're not, they should. Because, um, like, why would you guys say that it's important to at least get published once? Or do you feel that it is? Because um, some designers may go, oh, I'm doing great in my business. I don't need to worry about that. But what advice would you say on why it's worth the extra work to get published? I mean, I would say 
you know, it's kind of like being able to bring around your own little portfolio. If you have been published, you can show your clients that so that they can spread the word. Um, you know, updating your website with all your new projects and things of that nature is really helpful for us to be able to go and see what we'd like to cover. Um, but I think that your peers in the industry and your potential clients love to know that you've been published because that means that your project was really successful. Okay, yeah. so then, okay, yeah, Robert. Oh, no, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I think, um, trying to think of a word I want to use, it just brings a degree of, I want to say, um, like status to it and in a positive way in that it kind of shows here's some work I did. It was good enough that somebody spent money on printing this on paper yeah. and putting it on shelves. It just, it, it kind of steps up the quality of the work. And I don't think there's going to be uh, any homeowner I've ever crossed paths with after the fact that has had their work published becomes the biggest advocate for that designer and wanted to show off, oh, have you seen my kitchen? Have you seen my home? Oh, look, it's in this publication. And it becomes a huge word of mouth tool. So no, that's amazing. And instantly in my brain, I'm like, I need to submit more photos to get published. Um, but talking to both of you, in the world of social media that is like taking over the world, Chelsea, do you guys notice someone's social media status? And then Robert, I want you to touch on um, people's, you know, hideous photos on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> we'll just run them past me and I'll just grade them. <laughs> well, any tips or tricks? So let's start with, let, let me start with Robert. Robert, any tips or tricks on if you're not going to use like high quality images for Instagram, or would you only suggest using um, Instagram photos as ones you've had a photographer taken or any advice you have on that? Because a lot of designers with their iPhones are trying to, you know, establish a brand and we know how bad that can get quickly. Well, I think you just summed it up right there. I think it's stepping back and looking at what do I want my brand to be? Do I want to become a high-end specialist that focuses on kitchen and baths? Um, do I... I mean, I'll use Brian Patrick Flynn as an example, the designer, because we both know him. He is somebody who, if you look at his actual feed and the grid, it's all high quality, professionally shot images. So that's kind of his portfolio, his calling card right there. But then when you go through his stories and stories, it becomes such an integral part of social media. And I think, especially for designers, designers who can grow their following on social media, and then that leads to them developing brand deals and, uh, you know, down the road, their own lighting line and furniture line and things of those natures because brands want to be involved with them, not just the quality of their work, but them as the personality. Instagram has just opened it up where you don't have to have a TV show or be on TV to have a tremendous following and be seen as a personality. And so you can use your stories as highlighting you as a person, your personality, what your day-to-day -day is like, what it's like when you're on a job site, what it's like when you're having your job photographed and sharing that with people and then keep the grid itself a very professional calling card so that clients inquire and see just really beautiful images of work you've done. No, Brian's a great example. I think anyone listening who doesn't know him, Brian P Patrick Flynn, he's amazing just as looking at him as a human and as a brand because he is very legit in how he does it. And his design is amazing. So he's done a lighting line and whatnot. So look him up if you don't know him. And then Chelsea, do you guys look at someone's social media when they submit images to go, hey, 
they have a great following that'll bring extra people to our um, reading or anything like that? Um, yeah, I guess it's something that we consider. Um, one thing I do know about um, social media that I've learned from some of the designers is that it's really good to be able to kind of put a personality out there with your social media, um, put your pictures out there of your great projects and everything, but you'll get a better following if you are you and have a bit of a personality with your social media profile. I think that's totally true because sometimes you overthink it and you're like, should I post this? Should I not? My thing is this, is if you do you, it will be right and you will attract the right client that you want um, and uh, just enjoy it and have fun. Okay, so both of you were amazing guests. Are there any closing remarks you would want to add of like, hey, just keep this in mind or anything like that? Well, can I, I'm gonna jump and ask Chelsea one more quick question. Um, Chelsea, from a designer's perspective, do you ever ex accept like scout and photos just to see a place and give them a response of like, yes, I would love to see this, like get this photographed, bring it back to me. I would love to see it once it's photographed because I love the project. Or do you prefer designers just wait until they actually have professional photos to run anything past you? Yeah, I think scouting photos is fine. Um, He's texting you photos right now, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's your email? <laughs> Sometimes we do have a designer who will send me um, a photo they've taken and they'll say, do you think I should have professional photos taken? Which is kind of a loaded question for me because I don't know if that means that they're asking me if I pay to have professional photos taken, will you publish this project? So we always have to say, it's totally up to you if you would like to have those professional photos taken. We'll definitely consider the project after we learn more information, but I don't want to be the one in charge of telling them, yes, you know, if you have those photos taken, we'll definitely publish it. Yeah, and it's hard because you can't really go, no, that's hideous, or right. <laughs> keep on trying, you know. <laughs> My, would you say, like, if people reach out to an editor, like, even if you get shot down one time, don't you think part of it is persistence and learning why maybe it wasn't chosen? Like, do you ever tell people like, hey, we didn't select this because of this reason or, or do you say just um, thank you for trying and then keep submitting things? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the reason we might not consider something is again, if professional photos aren't available, um, if there's just no real, um, angle to the piece at all. Um, there's just nothing to kind of bite into. Um, but mainly it's just about the photos, things of that nature. Um, or we do have multiple projects from a, a designer. So obviously we can't feature every single one of their projects. So we'll pick the one that would be the most interesting. Um, nobody's ever really asked like why. <laughs> specifically, why do you not want to consider that? But if they did- <laughs> I'd be I, that nerdy kid that did. I'd be like, why'd yeah. you not like me? Yeah, I mean, maybe it was published somewhere else. Um, maybe I've seen it all over house. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything that I just thought was just ugly and we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna publish it because of that. And I certainly wouldn't tell anybody that, but you know, there'd be an, a, a better way of saying something like that. <laughs> And then going back to Robert's question of when he said the certain questions that you like to get, um, would you like, if a photographer and designer had some basic questions already answered of those elements, like when was it done, how long it took, 
here are our teaching moments from it and here's all the people involved and just kind of did it like in tv stuff sometimes we do a media kit for it like would you want a pdf that looked amazing that was in the dropbox with the images or are you like no just put it in the email bullet pointed or something like that i think either way i mean a pdf would be great but you know as long as we get the information and are able to see the photos in some way, we're good to go. Perfect. Um, Assistant Robert, do we have any more questions? I was just, I was rolling through my head trying to think if I had any more for her. Um, <laughs> this podcast has been for me. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything else right offhand. I, and Chelsea, that was a lot of really great information. Um, I was actually scribbling down notes myself in, in my office. So honestly i think we could go on and on and get even more detailed so we'll just look for the feedback on this because um we're hoping that people will listen to this and ask more questions and our goal is to keep doing these amazing podcasts but both of you thank you for taking time out of your day to help inspire designers photographers everyone in the industry on how to get their work published and uh thanks for being here thank you thank you that's all we have for you today. We'll have new episodes of KB Talks coming your way soon, so make sure you are subscribed and stay tuned. Please be sure to send your feedback to nkba at flyingcamel.com. And remember to take a moment to leave us a star rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Stay tuned for a quick NKBA Minute. Every year at KBIS, the NKBA's Voices from the Industry Conference presents an invaluable opportunity for professional development and career growth. This year's conference features 74 sessions in five categories including Grow Your Business, Kitchen and Bath Specialty Training, Design, Management, and Customer Service. Backed by popular demand are some favorite VFTI speakers who return in 2020 with new or updated presentations. Plus, at least 25 speakers are new this year, offering fresh content and a fresh perspective. If you prefer a hands-on learning experience, the NKBA also offers five on-site interactive lab sessions. Register now for KBIS 2020 and the Voices from the Industry Conference sessions. Visit kbis.com for more information.